Welcome to Fret Buzz the Podcast. My name is Joe McMurray. And I'm Aaron Sefchik. And today we have one of the, maybe the best guitarists I've seen in the whole Hampton Roads region. Um, easily the best guitarist I've seen in the Hampton Roads region. Mr. Jason Kale is a guitarist, producer, songwriter, vocalist. Um, I've had the opportunity to see him perform and he blew me away and I got to see him give a kind of a seminar at uh, the East Coast Guitar guitar Convention and um, I'm really excited to have you Jason. Thanks I'm excited to be here Joe and Aaron nice to nice to be here. Yeah yeah so um, Jason you have a band called the Jason Kale Band and this is a relatively new lineup of guys right? Yes. Couple years, yeah, yeah. We this band, uh, and I and I also have PC and J acoustic duo with my wife. We've been doing that. That's you, forever, man. Yep. Oh my gosh, I see you guys on the lineups for z- different places. I didn't realize it was you. Yep, yep, that's us too. Um, <laughs> okay, it's my wife and I, man. Okay, diversified, bro. Diversified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, uh, the Jason Kale Band, it actually started, um, I, I guess, seriously uh, in April 2017. And we just kind of started out as a, we were doing jazz. Like, I was asked to play jazz on Thursdays at this little brewery, man. And um, we just, uh, so we started doing jazz. And then I've always loved blues and, 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 uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I would always integrate the blues and jazz and fusion. I enjoy, you know, and so we, we started doing cool arrangements of like Alan Holsworth. Like we, we play Fred from Alan Holsworth and, or a Tony Williams project, I guess you could say. And, um, I started kind of just going back into my originals and, and we kind of were like, Oh, this is feeling pretty good. And it was just a little trio, you know? bass drums and, and me on guitar and singing and uh i just happened to go to an open mic around town and i, I was just sitting in uh with some guys and uh <laughs> they were like do you have a band i'm like oh, uh kind of and we were asked to do this festival um he, he just heard me play and he's like man i like your style and i if you've got a band man i want to i want to book you for this festival and I, I was like, okay, cool. So I, I, I got my, you know, the trio together and I wrote a couple of new songs and I was just like, let's let's just try it out and see what it feels like. And we actually found our voice at that festival. And, and I was like, this feels good. And you know what? I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pursue this little Jason Kale band trio thing. And, uh, and it's just kind of grown from that. And that was in September of 2017. And and then the current lineup I have of dudes is uh, Donnell Smith on bass, Randy Hagen on the drums. He's been playing with me for years. Uh, but Donnell Smith, man, once he came into the picture as the bassist, that just totally changed everything and everything just kind of locked into place. I was like, okay, this is what my songs are supposed to sound like. And uh, What is it about his playing that you really like? It's his pocket, I and I, I've always enjoyed playing with contemporary gospel musicians, man. Love it. Um, 
I don't know. To me, it's like those contemporary gospel musicians, they're some of the best. And then if they can read music on top of it, uh, that makes monster musicians, man. And uh, he does. He can sight read. He can read anything. He can do jazz. He can do everything. I, I, I just love playing with people that can that make me step up my own game. And that's that's what they do, man. Randy and Donnell for sure. And then occasionally I'll have keyboard players play and sax players and you know, but that's my core, man. The trio, that's my core. We can go out and do a show and with just the trio and be happy. Anything else on top of it is just icing on a cake, man. That's what I saw your trio at Froggy's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen the you play with a keyboard player. The yeah the I I'll use Ryan Moses and uh, sometimes Randall Lawson uh, on the keys and then uh, the sax player I've been using is Jeff Saunders and uh, sometimes uh, Dave Baytech as well fantastic musicians I've been playing with for years. I really like I had a trio back up in the Washington D.C. area. And we eventually added a keyboard player. And I, I mean, I love the trio and I love the three people you can really communicate and kind of yeah. take the song where you want live. Um, but man, when I got a keyboard player, I, I felt like I was floating on top of this cloud of <laughs> harmony. It, it really yeah. changed everything for me. I, I didn't have to do as much right. as the guitarist. And I, I really liked it. Yeah, it's, uh, that, that is, uh, that is something I, 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 I try to, yeah, I don't have to fill out quite as much. Right. It's uh, when we've got a keyboard player in there. I just, I, in all honesty, I just really love being in a trio. I do. I love being able to take it wherever I want to go with a trio, man. And, uh, and that's the bottom line. And, and I, and I want that organic feel. And I think the more people you put in the mix, the more you have to kind of have this this organization factor in the mix, right. uh, you know, and unless everybody's been playing together for, you know, a while and really they all really know kind of how I operate. And because uh, I, I like when we play, I, I enjoy making like just on the fly calls. Uh, for instance, like we were we were playing froggy's last saturday man and it was packed room and i just had this idea i was like you know what um and we and we do we do originals and we'll sometimes you know and we'll do covers but it's probably half and half so we we started playing uh i was like all right let's do let's do sissy strut and then i was like i had the idea i was like you know what i will keep it in the sissy strut kind of funk and then I'll sing some kind of wonderful over it. And that's oh. kind of what we did, you know? And I just called it on the fly. And so, like, we, we were doing Sissy Strut, and there's like, just stay on the one. And and then I started singing uh, Some Kind of Wonderful, and they followed me. And we did one verse, one chorus of Some Kind of Wonderful. And I was like, all right, stay on the one. All right, well, in four, we're going back to Sissy Strut. We're going to play the head. Dude. Yeah, yeah. So it, it so I kind of I enjoy being I enjoy creating on the fly like that, and 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 I think Donnell and Randy all enjoy it too because we're we're just smiling and laughing and 
and just having a good time creating something. <laughs> now, now, have you ever tried to do that before? Oh, yeah. So I, you have tried to sing some kind of wonderful over. Oh, 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 uh, over. I mean, it was, did you sing um, some kind of wonderful in the same key anyway? Or did yeah. You just... Yeah. And I would sometimes, <clears throat> it's not necessarily a song I, I call up all the time. Um, but, you know, it's a good, I guess you could call it a fluff song that all people will enjoy. Mm -hmm. and, um, I can stick it in between, you know, two original songs and um, get people, you know, dancing and something they can recognize. Yeah. So I, I'd been doing it kind of in a, my own little funky kind of New Orleans funk way. And then, um, yeah, but we had never combined them and just having fun. That's awesome. I've, I've found that, I mean, I, I see it all the time, but any guests, any performing guests that we've had, we all, we all kind of feel the need to like, we all want to play the stuff that makes us excited, but everyone has to play to the room and give everyone some, you yeah. know, some popular music that they like. It's kind of part of the, part of the job description. Cause it's yeah. not always the, the Joe show or the Jason show. You got to make sure your guests, you know, yeah. hear something yeah. they want to hear and, then they're more receptive to you. your music is what I've found. Yeah, man. I, I There's this fine, <laughs> there's this fine line and balance. And I think all of us is that, especially those of us that are trying to do original music, you know, it's a, it's a fine balance. And, um, you know, I've been playing live for a long time and uh, I feel like I know enough diverse material to to kind of look at a room and figure out what to play. And and I think it's some it's something that you're constantly trying to improve upon, as I assume, and, uh, you know, managing the set list and trying to make sure everything flows to keep people's attention. But uh, I know it's something I'm still growing at, you know, and we'll continue to hopefully get better at. Yeah. It's always changing and the audience is always changing. It's like a, it's like you will never find the perfect answer. No, no, no. It's, it's a, uh, there are some venues like froggies in Virginia beach, you know, if, if you ask the audience, all right, y'all want original or you want a cover, they're going to yell out original. Um, last night when I played the Vanguard. Oh, um, yeah. I'm there on Thursday. Yeah. yeah very cool. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Movie. It was a packed house. Um, and my friend Danny Lubertazzi uh, and his band on the verge, fantastic band. They played and, um, uh, they brought out a lot of people um, and then we did our, our, our set and then we played a, a set together and uh, like his set was all covers mm -hmm. and my set was all my originals. And I'll be honest, I, I probably should have done more covers, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we kept people in there for the most part, but, but dude, I, yeah. 
I, I, uh, I look back on it and I'm like, uh, man, maybe I should have just thrown some more bones at them. But, uh, but we came back and we played like three Allman Brothers songs and killed it. And, but, uh, it was, it was probably the most people I'd ever seen at the Vanguard, man, for at least the show that I'd been at or, um, other shows I've attended there. It was, it was a good, good, good crowd there, man. Sold yeah. some skis, sold some t-shirts. I was happy. Right. If for any, uh, listeners out there, the Vanguard is the old Hampton Armory in Hampton, Virginia, that they converted into a, a brewery distillery music venue. Um, it's really cool. I mean, it feels like you're inside a historic gymnasium. Um, the acoustics can be a little, a little tough, but they've got an amazing sound system yeah. in there. Like, yeah. I, I love having a sound guy dedicated because I rare, I rarely get that. And yeah. It's, Jer- it's Jeremy Goodell. He, he's yeah, yeah. fantastic, man. And I enjoy working with Jeremy and he, he just, now he's full, full on. That's what he's doing now. Um, he just told me that yesterday. He's that's his sole job now. And that's really nice for him. And um, I think it's good for the Vanguard too, man. And uh, hopefully they can just keep, keep making the improvements they need to make to make it as good a venue as I think it can be, man. For sure. Yeah. yeah if, uh, it's a good place. If you're ever in the region, they always have good music many days a week. Um, yeah. The Vanguard and Hampton. So with your your style, uh, I mean, I've seen you play and you've ripped Joe Bonamassa kind of stuff, Satriani, but you also really get in. I've seen you use the diminished uh, scale a lot, and I've seen you, I mean, you played jazz, like sta- standard jazz as well. Um, how did you get to where you are, like your sound? Um. Well, the I think it's a you know it's a it's it's still an ever evolving process. When I when I first started out on guitar and I fell in love with it, I was uh, really into metal, man. I was Megadeth, Pantera, um, yeah, I, I Metallica. Um, probably wouldn't have even started playing guitar if it hadn't have been for Metallica Master of Puppets. Aaron's <laughs> so happy right now. <laughs> so I'm in the same same boat. Yeah, man. Oh God. When I heard that album, I went home and I picked up this, you know, went home, picked up an acoustic guitar, my dad's, and I was like just trying to figure out anything. Yeah. Uh, but um <laughs> sanitarium. And, yeah, sanitarium. but um i and and so i i started playing you know that kind of stuff and all i had was an acoustic at the time um one of my dad's acoustics and um but i was you know i was determined that i was going to learn how to play that stuff and i was fortunate that when i was really young my mother insisted that i take violin you know so i had the the string and the I knew what was you know what it was like to play a stringed instrument and so um, that helped immensely when I started playing guitar so I was teaching myself basically how to play all the metal stuff through tablature and and whatnot and then um, I started taking classical guitar 
um, because, well, that's what they offered at the college. And so, um, and, and that gave me another facet, you know, of, of I guess, uh, style, but it didn't happen until I was probably 22 and I was up in Jackson, Mississippi at a jazz club. And I just, yeah, man, I got my butt handed to me on a silver platter at a jazz club, man. And I was just like, whoa, what is this? And, um, <laughs> and I just sat down and I started writing the songs they were calling out on a napkin. And um, I changed my major at school from um, music education. I changed it to jazz studies because I fell in love with it, like just instantly. And, uh, and cool. through that, I, I realized, oh man, like I started understanding, like I had the, your Aaron, you'll probably know this one too, man. Like the, the Greg Howe, Richie Kotzen. Mm -hmm. Oh dude. You know, I had had that and I was just like, I didn't understand it. I was just like, but I was just like, this is amazing. He's playing, you know, and I, but I didn't understand what they were doing. You know, and and uh, but when I got when I started taking the jazz studies classes and 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 then getting into more jazz and um, then I could oh they're playing over this form and I started understanding okay it's a form that they're playing over and um, and that kind of started my journey through through jazz but and then getting into jazz helped me to appreciate the blues and then. And then I think going into, I started getting into Robin Ford and oh, I love Robin and him and hearing him how he he'll put you know these bebop lines in sometimes to a, a really tasty blues solo and and then then you start messing around with Jimmy Herring and uh, one of my favorite players and uh, man I and so I was just always. Um, mystified by them and so yeah and 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 then you you know frank gumbali and so i'd pick up these frank gumbali improvisation books and you know and 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 i just and i would surround myself with players that would um challenge me and um you know i'm still growing i'm yeah that's I'm, awesome sometimes i still have these like last night at the gig, I think I'd practice too much because sometimes we scramble our own brains, you know, and I don't feel like I was with my I don't feel like I was quite myself because I was thinking about all these things I've been like kind of tinkering around, you know, like, oh, I can I'm going to do this melodic minor up, you know, minor third and I'm going to do this lick here and and coming up with all these licks. And I think I just screwed myself. <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of times this, i i want to do this whole tone lick here and uh, yeah this would be great yeah it sounds great as i'm practicing then then i get to the gig and i'm like what the hell am i just learning guitar yeah a lot of times i try not to i'll learn something and i don't let it come out live until it's like that instilled in me like yeah. i might have played something in at the house like some style for a month before i actually like when it starts to come out naturally without me having to think about it right. i know it's time right. yeah 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 and 
for me, I, um, I, for me, when it comes to, yeah. And I totally, it's, it's a matter of like, when it comes out just instinctually and not forced. And, um, but f for me, when I, when I get in a zone, uh, playing wise, like last night, like a, our monitors weren't great on stage and that sucked. So the band, it sounded like we were all speaking different languages. Um, you know, like I was at a Italian uh, restaurant with an Italian and a German and a French dude. And we were all trying to speak. Um, however, the, the audience, they were all saying that we sounded great, but right. we all have had those gigs where it's just like crappy, crappy monitors on stage and, no, you just don't feel right on stage whatsoever. But yeah, um, yeah I so I I was just kind of that was messing with me. The fact that I was just kind of I just kind of garbled my brains and like my instincts up a little bit. Ugh, I hate those nights like that. <laughs> it sounds like you've got quite the uh, interesting upbringing in terms of. Uh, starting out on violin and then having that influence of, you know, the, the metal in there and then going to jazz. And uh, that's, that's very cool in terms of how it's kind of morphed uh, and made you the mus musician that you are today, having that, like that blues and it's kind of got an aggressive sound. It's got a little bit of jazz influence in there. Yes. That's uh, very cool. Yeah. I I've, um, uh, another another guitar player, man, that I'm heavily influenced by, without a doubt, is Eric Gales. Hmm. I love his playing. I love his style, and um, you know, and there's that gospel uh, tinge to it. Gospel, Tiberi Gospel. That was my very first studio gig in Mississippi. Yeah, and um, this dude heard me playing guitar, and he was like, "Dude, have you ever heard of Kurt Franklin?" I'm like, "No." and and uh he played me some kurt franklin and he's and and i was like oh my god this is crazy good um so it kind of led me down this path of enjoying you know contemporary gospel music and uh that was still to this day one of the a life-changing experience for me to you know be in a church like that and with no music no nothing and the people playing this awesome music can't even tell you what key it's in you know but they're making incredibly complex music complex chords and killing it and um so i was instantaneously put in into like this um zone of using my ear and i'm using the jazz the <laughs> at that time what limited jazz knowledge i had you know and then kind of going with my instincts on the blues but you heard all these elements and that's what made me appreciate contemporary gospel music and uh so uh, yeah with the stuff i'm writing right now that's kind of what i'm i'm trying to blend you know definitely the blues um when it especially when it came to like me and the band and the direction i wanted to take my stuff in i'm like if i'm gonna do this i want to i wanted to incorporate the things i have the most fun playing and that's funk blues you know with and, and 
and a twist on like some of the choruses that I write and some of the you know chord progressions I write hopefully have a a, a kind of a gospel kind of twist to it you know and and uh so that's that's kind of where I'm I'm coming from man and trying to utilize all those tools I have in my back pocket very cool so you do play in one of the military bands and you've been yeah. doing that for 24 years um do you feel like that experience has even if it I mean I've heard you say it's not necessarily like it's not your favorite style of music necessarily, but do you feel that as a musician, you have grown from that? Oh yeah. So yeah, man, I, so I've been doing the military bands. It, it'll be 20 years, man. Uh, okay. I, when I initially joined the military 18, I joined to be a combat engineer. I had no clue what that was. Um, all I saw was I got a bonus to do that and I, it would help me pay for school um and uh so i joined my local national guard unit and with the bonus the only thing i was i didn't even ask what the heck it was it was just like uh oh i could buy that guitar i've been wanting (laughs) it was a horrible idea priorities man priorities horrible (laughs) it's a horrible decision no it actually made me a better person and um it kind of it, it it gave me a little bit of discipline and some self-confidence that I didn't have in myself, man. Um, but when I went to the, the engineer school at Fort Leonard Wood, that's when I realized I was like, okay, this is not for me. This job is not for me. I need to go to school for music. And that's, and, and it helped to motivate me to do so. Um, and then I did my time in the guard, and uh, I found out about the army band. I auditioned. I made the army band. Um, and I was stationed at Fort Gordon, Georgia, and then with the Continental Army Band, at Fort Monroe, Virginia. And while I was in the army band, I, I auditioned. I made the Air Force Band in 2004. So I transferred services. I went to the Air Force Band. Um, and yeah, the the whole time I've been in the one of the the crucial elements to me joining the military bands were was because I wanted to play. I didn't know what style I liked better. I love all styles of music. I really, truly do. And I knew I had a lot to learn um, musically. And so um, I had great mentors in the military bands that I've been in. And I always looked up to the really to, to, who I thought were the best players in the unit. That's who I wanted to be friends with. And, and those players, uh, you know, they helped kind of mentor me and um, challenge me and put me in situations that I grew from, Um, whether it be, you know, playing a Chick Corea piece with a jazz band, you know, and, um, or leading, you know, numerous different rock ensembles um, or pop ensembles. All those gave me tools that, yes, I'm utilizing today on the outside when I gig on the outside. And um, and it also left with left me with the mantra I, I've always lived by, and that's music first. And 
I I live for music and uh sometimes I think the the my only issue with the military bands is you know well uh you have a it's quite a dichotomy there you got you're in the military and you're an artist uh that yeah it's totally like <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum yeah it's what <laughs> so so you know as you as you as, as as you progress through the ranks you know as you progress through the ranks in the military bands the less music becomes a part of you and um you know and i'm i'll i'll be retiring in may at, you know yeah it's it the highest rank <laughs> and then nope but i i've kept music first you know and uh i'm happy to to say that and it's been a good gig you know it's been a good gig but it's time to move on do you so with the military bands you did you have the chance to perform um anywhere like overseas like in the middle east for the troops or any anything like that yeah yeah i've done some really cool things man um yeah i've done numerous tours um throughout the middle east for the troops but um in fact i you know getting back to this whole military band thing um uh, one of my friends is uh jack sizemore and he plays guitar for jason aldean i met jack on a uso tour i was backing up um oh gosh uh john popper loose traveler yeah and and uh he was backing up jamie o'neill and we were doing this run through all the bases in the middle east for all the troops and uh and he and i became really good friends and um so the last show was always in at ramstein air base in germany where i was stationed so it was cool like hang out with jack and took you to a German restaurant, got some German beer and uh, came back to my house and we picked around, played guitar and, you know, and, and, um, and took him to my studio and he's just like, dude, you got that Paul Reed Smith hollow body two over there. And he goes, I love those guitars. And I'm like, Oh man, that's really cool. You know? And he's like, and, and, and we, we anyway, he, he was just, I was telling him how envious I was, you know, I was like, man, you get to live in Nashville, you tour, you know, you're doing songwriting. That's just awesome, man. And he's like, well, I'm envious of you because man, because if I could go back in time, I would be doing, you know, exactly what you're doing in the military. You know, you're getting a steady paycheck with medical benefits. Get out of here, man. You know? And he goes that Paul Reed Smith, he goes, I had one and I had to sell it, pay my rent in Nashville for three months, <laughs> you know? So it kind of helped put things in perspective. Um, cause, cause sometimes, yeah, you, you miss out on opportunities, um, that, that, you know, you, you just can't, or you might book a big show and, you know, uh, you have to cancel it, you know, or, you might get asked to go on a tour like um and and you can't because well the military and so those those opportunities that are you know arise as players as we go you know through our lives you know that you would jump on uh had i not been in the military you know uh those those come and go 
and and sometimes that connection's lost. Um, so that's that's been the downside of it. Um, but the upside has just been constantly being able to play as much as possible um, throughout my years, man. And you're paid essentially to be there at nine o'clock in the morning and to yeah. practice and rehearse and do a little exercise, right? <laughs> like well, it seems it like depends. overall it's a pretty good deal for a musician to yeah come home to your yeah. your family at night and be able to you know you can play yeah. if you want but you got paid to play all day. Yeah, essentially, man, that's 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 the deal. And I mean, in a nutshell, I mean, there's a lot more than that. You know, you've got to do all the military training. You've got to go through all that. You know, and uh, and and. Like, especially, you know, speaking on behalf of my army brethren and sis- brothers and sisters, like, dude, when when 9-11 hit, uh, yeah, there were no music instruments in our hand, man. We were, you know, at an M60, you know, or, you know, guarding a gate or something, you know, all that stuff goes out the window. And um, that's one of the reasons why I switched over to the Air Force, but, you know, a, a lot of my army band uh, bandmates, you know, they've been deployed for a year and they don't see an instrument, you know, they're garden helping support, uh, you know, the, the security, you know, on base. Um, but I know that, I know that you had asked, you know, traveling through out the middle East and I'm sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there, but um, I'll tell you like a cool, thing I got to experience in Germany, man. Like, um, I was there, I spent a total of six years in Germany, in Europe, and traveled through all throughout Europe and some of Africa. Wow. And to me, that's been the most rewarding time in my military uh, career. And, um, yeah, and especially towards the latter part of my time in Germany, we started doing these African partnership flights and where we would go with a team of, of dudes and um, we'd go into Ghana or Uganda and Senegal and work with the embassies and go out and play music out in these communities and to strengthen, you know, it's, it's in the military, you're under public affairs. And so you're, you're there to help strengthen relationships and countries, uh, you know, and, to me, it felt good to be doing that on behalf of the country, you know, regardless of politics or anything, um, through music, um, you know, you're there and you're putting smiles on people's faces and you're, and you get to really show, represent America and be a rep, a true representative of America through music. Uh, you know, and not everybody's a, but that's awesome. Yeah. I, I I always say it, you know, music is a universal language and it doesn't matter where, what corner of the earth you're, you're from. We all can connect on this yeah. idea around music. And it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely that connecting point that brings us all together as humans. It's great. Yeah. I, I was in, yeah, I can't tell you, man, like uh, I was in one of the best times I had was in Africa and Senegal and getting to play there was like this little jazz quartet and uh they were doing jazz standards 
And like there was a traditional, you know, electric bass. And then the guitar player, though, was using like this traditional, I forgot what they called it, but he was using one of their traditional kind of guitar things. And it was just insane. And um, we got to collaborate with them. And then the, yeah, that good. And and language, yeah, there was no, no language barrier. We were just like, they let's play take five. Okay. Take five. And we do it in the kind of fusion way. And, and, uh, and with traditional, you know, Senegalese drums. And it was just so cool, man. Yeah. So yeah, that music's fun, man. And, and that, that's why I live for it. Yep. That'd be cool to hear a, um, a jazz album that was made with, I mean, I know like, uh, What's the banjo player's name? Uh, Bella Fleck. He, Bella Fleck, yeah, he plays with Victor Wooten. Like, he yeah. does some jazz on banjo, which is really cool, but it would be really cool to hear somebody do an album, and maybe it's out there. It is. Using unusual instrumentation to play jazz standards like that. Yeah, Bella Fleck actually did a whole album uh, in Africa with drums, and it's a really cool documentary. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix or something. Mm-hmm uh and it's insane man it's it's so cool and they record everything live him playing with different people and there there's actually a, a tribe that he goes and plays with somewhere in africa and uh they do this traditional marimba that was built they build it like you'd have to see it but it's insane That's... you know what I'm talking about aaron yeah 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 i'll have to check that out i I really do like Bella Fleck and I mean, Victor Wooten's really awesome to hear. Yeah. Well, and, and then, and another, another like really cool thing, if you, you're not familiar and, and I'm blessed uh, cause he passed away a few years ago was uh, there's this Senegalese drummer who's the godfather of, I guess, uh, you know, I guess, uh, godfather of percussion and uh dude nadai rose is his name and um he he he's he lives right there in dakar senegal youtube him man uh it's n-d-a-y-e rose and uh his uh, and it's i think it's d-o-u-d-o-u nadai rose um and anyway this guy is insane and he does these big orchestrated drum it's like uh you know how you have these hippie drum circles mm -hmm. it's like that but really good <laughs> <laughs> i love those hippie drum circles <laughs> of course you do joe of course you do it's right up my alley <laughs> no i'd love to see that man uh the 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 person I was working with at the embassy there, she was, we were talking about him and she was, she, she, uh, she's like, Oh, you know, you know, do you, do that resume? And we were, we were all like, yeah. And she, she's like, she called him up. He invited us to his apartment in this building. And, um, there's this, and there were all these, and there was a, a, a this drum convention going on in his, on his like, behalf that's like this annual thing and there were people from all over the united states all over the world there up on top of this building 
with him in the center with his drum and they put on a small show for the five of us that were there and it blew my mind and you see this i think at that time he was probably 80 or something and oh my god yeah when y'all check it out you're gonna see him and you're gonna hear this stuff and it is just super tight um yeah people in colleges and universities study his his drumming yeah but that that was probably one of the more epic (laughs) musical experiences that i could think of and i still get chills talking about it that's cool yeah you can see you can see the enthusiasm coming off of you (laughs) you talk about that it was a really powerful experience it's nice whenever you have they, they don't come very often but every once in a while you do have that musical experience where you're just like you feel like a different person like you'll never be the same knowing that that exists and experiencing that yeah you know sometimes it's only every few years every yep that it that it happens yeah that's very true man that's very true that's that's definitely one of the more special moments that i'll always remember the rest of my life i really i really do like drum circles they i feel like they give the chance for non-musicians to come people who aren't necessarily like us that are, you know, devote their lives to it, people to come together and, and connect over music. And although it may not be something that anybody would want to make a CD of and sell it, like it's just a, I think it's a positive thing for society to have people coming together to play hand percussion. Yeah, man, I agree. That's a good hippie minded thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, 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 I agree, man. You know, it gives it gives people non-musical people an outlet. As long as I can't hear it, I'm happy. <laughs> so, so, speaking of uh, monumentous experiences and things like that, I did notice that uh, you played Conan, O'Sha- uh, Conan O'Brien. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was. That was um, on a deployment in 2015. Okay. And uh, Conan took his show. He brought Grace Potter, Jimmy Vavino. Wow. Um, a couple of comedians, Michelle Obama. Um, cool. Brought him over to Al-Udid Air Base in Qatar, where okay. I was stationed. And, um, and yeah, we did a live show with him. Wow. And, uh, in fact... That show actually re-aired. They re-aired it like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, came home late from a gig and I turned on the TV and I was like, holy crap. There. <laughs> awesome. That's very, that's very cool. What a good experience. That was a good experience, man. That was a, a lot of fun. And Jimmy Vivino is super cool. Um, he and I still talk from time to time and, He's definitely somebody, you know, in the, you know, that you can call a friend, really good guy. Now, do you ever intend to use some of these connections to potentially reach out for your, with your band to try to potentially do something once you retire from the military? I mean, you've, you've played with John Popper and you've played with at Conan O'Brien. So you've played with some big names. Do you think maybe in the future you could, you know, reach back out to them and say like, Hey, I got this new band. We're trying to actually do something big. Um, man, for me, like 
I lived out in California for a while, and uh, I try not to, in all seriousness, when it comes to friendships, connections, man, uh, I really want it to be a pure friendship and not like some friendship out of because it's a good connection. Right, a business deal. <laughs> right, man. And And out in California, that's what it felt like the whole time I was there. Like you couldn't trust anybody. Everybody's got another. They're trying to play another. They're playing another angle on you, mm. and and it's all about what what can you do for me, you know? In this like subconscious back here, mm. and and I got kind of a little bit um, I, I, dark because of that, and and so like yeah, man, I I don't feel comfortable necessarily asking you know, favors of people that I've met in the past or played with in the past, you know, like that, you know, I, I just don't. And for me, it's just, it's nice to be able to have a friendship. You know, Jimmy knows what I'm doing. You know, my, I have another good friend, Oz Fox, uh, the guitarist for Striper, you know, he and I did something together for the troops in Germany too. <laughs> and he's super, I love Oz. Oz Oz is just the coolest man. <laughs> and and um but you know I yeah, they all know what I'm doing and and um I I think I think I'm at a point where I I think I just have to kind of do it my own way, man. And 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 those people that know me, I think it'll just I think it's going to be something working. I don't want to force it. I don't want to have to use connections. Uh in a way where they feel like I'm just using them, you know, I, that's what I worry about. I, I I love what you're saying. I just want to be clear. My drum circles is a very hippie mentality. This is too. <laughs> we share the hippie mentality. <laughs> I just want to be friends with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, Jason. It's beautiful. That's awesome. <laughs> and that is where we're going to end this beautiful thing today. <laughs> uh, join us next week as we get into part two with Jason Kale. We've got a lot of good things coming over the next couple of weeks, months. Uh, we've got a lot of cool people lined up. I'm really excited to have you listen to a lot of these people. If you haven't already, obviously stop over uh, at Fredflies the Podcast and drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Or better yet, stop over at iTunes and leave a review. Let everybody know what you think about the show. Don't forget, tomorrow night we're doing our live show. Um, tune in about 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. And if I don't see you tomorrow night, I'll see you next Thursday here on Fred Buzz the Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.